welcome to day 132 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are 2 Chronicles chapters 19 through 21. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. When we left off yesterday, the Ammonites had killed Ahab, albeit accidentally, in battle. But King Jehoshaphat of Judah had been delivered by God. In chapter 19, when Jehoshaphat returned home, Jehu, son of Hanani the seer, greeted him with a rebuke tempered with praise. Like the chronicler himself, Jehu spoke words of judgment from God for Jehoshaphat's alliance with Ahab, but also spoke words of affirmation for the religious reforms he had been enacting in Judah. Those religious reforms continued with various acts of legal reorganization. In making these changes, Jehoshaphat lived up to his name, which means Yahweh is judge. The main part of the passage consists of Jehoshaphat's instruction to the judges that they should, in every circumstance, judge the people fairly. The justice of the poor should be the same as that of the rich, and the laws enforced within Jerusalem should be the same as those adhered to in the countryside. Judges should always be faithful, because God is always present, and God sets the standard for righteousness. New threats against Jehoshaphat and Judah arise in chapter 20. The nation of Ammon bordered Israel on the east. It was located roughly where the kingdom of Jordan is today. Interestingly, the name Ammonites is reflected in the name for the modern capital of Jordan to this day, the city of Ammon. The nation of Moab was to the southeast of Israel and had been a constant and lingering threat for centuries. Ammon, Moab, and two other small nations formed an alliance against Judah, In response, Jehoshaphat and the people seek the counsel of Yahweh. Jehoshaphat's prayer at the temple of the Lord recalls many similar prayers throughout the Old Testament. The thought behind the prayer is that since Yahweh is the God who is in heaven and since he has delivered the people in the past, God should be able to remove this present threat as well. The fervent prayer of the king is answered through a word given to the prophet Jehaziel. God tells Jehoshaphat, that Judah will be saved, even without fighting. The final 11 verses of the narrative describe how the victory came about without Judah having to even lift a finger, in ways similar to the story in Judges of Gideon's defeat of the Midianites. The Judeans simply watch while the armies of this four-nation alliance turn on one another. Jehoshaphat and the Judeans swoop in and carry off more spoils than they have the ability to carry. The last two verses state that the fear of Yahweh fell upon all the surrounding peoples, and they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. At the end of Jehoshaphat's reign, the review by the chronicler is mixed. Just when it seems that the narrative of Jehoshaphat is going to end, the chronicler adds one short tag. Jehoshaphat apparently favored making alliances because he conspired with Ahaziah, the king of Israel, to build ships. A very unusual act for Israelites who rarely are described as being interested in becoming a naval power. A little-known prophet, Eliezer, spoke up against this alliance and proclaimed that in judgment God would cause the ships to sink. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. In chapter 21, Jehoshaphat gave way to his son Jehoram. Both the Deuterohistorian and the chronicler agree that Jehoram was wicked so wicked, in fact, that the moral life of Judah eroded quickly. 
The text introduces the reader to the brothers of Jehoram only to let us know that they were strategically killed by their brother. Killing his brothers was only the start. Verse 6 states that Jehoram followed in the ways of his relative Ahab, whose family he had married into. Jehoram's evil is addressed by the famous prophet from the north, Elijah, in a letter written to the king. Elijah predicts that because of his evil, Jehoram will be afflicted by God with a horrible and painful gastrointestinal disease. Not only will the king be judged, but so will the people. The Philistines will return with the Cushites and raid Jerusalem, confiscating not only some of the royal properties, but also taking away almost all of the king's family. Not only does Jehoram die a gruesome death, but his body is not buried with his ancestors, and thus ends the messy reign of Jehoram. I think because I'm a pastor, I tend to read these texts about the kings of Judah through the lens of church leadership. In reading this last chapter on Jehoram, I couldn't help but think about the long and slow process of building up a stable and good community of God, and how long that takes, but how quickly, in contrast, it can all be brought down. The reforms of the good kings took decades and centuries, but the collapse only took a few years. That may be a word about how faithfulness is a long obedience in the same direction, but it's also a word about how dangerous the narcissism and insecurity of someone like Jehoram can be. Building up Judah took a long time. Tearing it down came pretty quickly. So read these texts carefully today, looking for things you've not seen before. Journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions. And pray that God can give us all the perseverance of Jehoshaphat and save us from the destructive self-centeredness of Jehoram. Our texts for tomorrow are 2 Chronicles chapters 22-24, through and we're adding Psalm 56. Talk to you tomorrow.